The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your co-host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster from NBC Chicago. And I'm the baby boomer, and I'm this guy's mom. Yep, and I'm Jason Canander. I'm the other co-host of the show. I'm a sophomore at the University of Texas, Austin, um, involved in student television, whatnot there. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Canander, as you see down there. And uh, yeah, ready to talk some more bears. Uh, no oh, surprise. my gosh. Thank you, everybody, for following us on YouTube. Our website is up and running. Um, we've gotten more and more clicks on it, more views at the Chicago Sports, sportscasterandherson.com. Um, we, we see you all listening as well. For those not tuning in here on YouTube, uh, we see you listening to us on any place that you get your audio from Apple Podcasts to Google Play, uh, SoundCloud. Um, what am I missing, Jason? Uh, we're available everywhere. Podbean. The Podbean Network. Yep. And uh, listen, fan merch still available. Like we always say, you could get you know one of these Sportscaster and her son's hoodies. Um, you can get some of the list of Chicago quarterbacks that uh, I've covered since 1992. Lots of stuff. Go check it out. If you go to our website, thesportscasterandherson.com, you'll see a link that goes to our little merch store at T Public. So please check us out. So, Jason, we always say that, you know, we don't always get along, but it's our love for sports that brings us together and really does help bridge the gap between us. Uh, There's just a few generations between us. The Chicago Bears, man, I just don't know. Like, I'm I'm continually shaking my head. It's just so hard to watch this team as as great of a first half they played against the, the Packers. It was only one half. And we all knew how the second half was going to to end. And it did. And it was predictable, and so is this team. It's just fallen to new lows. Yeah, you know, it's a tale as old as time. The Chicago Bears' play calling is predictable. Their decision-making is predictable. Their drafting, their free agent signing. You know exactly what this team is going to do. Um, you know, we always kind of talk about talk about sports on here, but it seems kind of like you ask me a lot of questions. But at home, actually, when we talk about sports, I ask you a lot of questions. And um, one of the questions – that I asked was when, how, how does this get fixed? How is this going to change? And you said that the bears front office mentality has always been, we have always done things this way. And the really frustrating thing is that it's totally true. I've only really been watching bears football for, I believe this is my 10th season watching them. And it's been the same story just about every year. A Bears season will go one of two ways. They will either start out hot, look like a surefire playoff team, choke it all away and will miss the playoffs or get bounced early or they will be a completely horrible out of the playoff picture like this year's team, a lot like this year's team, out of the playoff picture by Thanksgiving and the season's no fun. So the question is, when does this stop? And when exactly do the Bears become the perennial winner that they should be? The Bears are one of the most historic 
one of the most historic franchises, not just in the NFL, but in all of American sports. And they have one Super Bowl to speak for it. Two Super Bowl appearances to speak for it. And really nothing in the past 10 years to be proud of. No players that have played for this team or at least experienced their primes in the past 10 years are going to be Bears legends. I mean, maybe Khalil Mack, but Khalil Mack's just a great player. He's not necessarily synonymous with the Bears. That's the problem for me is that we don't have any of these Bears legends. We don't have any of these franchise changing, like mentality changing type of Brian Urlacher and Richard Dent and Dan Hampton. And my generation of Bears fans, we don't have someone like that. You know, we don't have a a coach or any decision maker that anybody can feel good about. So, yeah, it's just frustration. And it kind of sucks that the only reason why the Bears are such a hot topic of conversation on this show and in Chicago and in all sports media is because how, like, laughable they are as an organization, both on and off the field. It's almost, like, at a point now where it's kind of embarrassing to be a Bears fan when you're not in Chicago because people just kind of laugh at you and they, they feel bad. And because – if we're, if we're no secret, if we're not, like, if, if these things aren't a secret to us, they're not a secret to the national media anymore, national, like, football fans across the country. And God forbid the Bears play a London game next year, the entire world know what, what this organization's about. <laughs> You know, and I, I watched a TED Talk recently where they talked about how companies, um, whether it's a nonprofit or whether it's a, a business, um, you can't live in the past and you cannot. Um, those teams or those organizations and businesses that refuse to change for the future, they get caught in the past and they get and they're they're passed by. That's something that this organization is going to have to learn. Now, when you say the whole national, you know, everyone's going to see the world is going to know how bad the bears are. <laughs> Well, I think they know, because last week in the Chicago Tribune, Dan Weeder wrote a story that exhausts all the problems with the organization starting at the top, and that's in the front office. It is an outstanding article that details the issues that the Bears have had and why they just can never seem to get it right, whether it's hiring a head coach or a general manager, the direction of the team or the draft, or even the philosophy of the team and the identity of the team as well. Okay, let's bring in Dan Weeder, who wrote this article for the Chicago Tribune and really put into words and backed it up, the issues going on with the Chicago Bears. And it starts, Dan, from the top, right? Yeah, I, there's no question about it. And, and, and this groundswell has been going on now for most of 2021, really dating back to the end of 2020. And of course, that end of season, infamous press conference that they held in January of 2021 that let people behind the curtain of just how lost and directionless this franchise can be at times. We can talk all we want about the on-field results and the win-loss record and how bad it has been and how this organization has been unable to sustain success for 30-plus years, but there has to be an urge for someone inside that building at 1920 Football Drive in Lake Forest to examine the reasons for the lack of sustained success and why there have been so many consistent issues with this team getting over the hump. It's more than just not having a quarterback. It's more than just not having this, that, or the timing working out for you. There are things organizationally, and it's not even just the people that are in charge at the top. It's the structure of the entire organization and the way things are run and the standards that are held across every single department in the building that need to be looked at. And so I think what you've seen here is a number of people across the league, people that are are part of the esteemed fraternity, the Chicago Bears, former players, 
the passion that people have for looking into why the Bears are struggling so much is at a high level, right? And it's 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 been it's been amplifying and it's been growing. And so here we are at a state with a team that's four and nine with major changes on the horizon to say, why are these things repeatedly occurring? Who can address them? And where do you even start, right? And I think that's the, the hardest question that they're going to face up there at Alice Hall is, where do you even start? Because these systemic failures are so deep. So you would one would assume that they would have to start at the top and uh, restructure. Um, I, I want to ask you something about that. I, I, if the Chicago Bears decide to restructure their front office and bring in a true director of football operations with a football background, um, move Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips, you know, was the family accountant. He's got the secrets to all of you know the, the money, everything that the, the McCaskies have as a family. So if if he moved out of you know the immediate picture so that, you know, there is absolutely no representation by Ted Phillips at any owner's meeting or anything that's that you bring in a football ops guy, uh, Ryan Pace could move, you know, who they, the problem is when they like someone, they like to keep them around in some other capacity. So let him be in charge of building, you know, the new arena at, uh, or the new stadium at, in Arlington Heights. So, my question is, and this stems from looking at some of the other teams in Chicago that have, have rebuilt. So uh, Jerry Reinsdorf had Michael Reinsdorf take over the Bulls. Um, and then you see with the Cubs there, you know, th- they were able to, even though it's family owned, bring in someone who did all of the baseball. Uh, the Blackhawks bring in Danny Wirtz, you know, and he was able to restructure and then step out of the way. I remember when George McCaskey took over that he spoke about how they were preparing the next generation to take over the Chicago Bears. And at that time, I don't know, that was maybe eight years ago or 10 years ago. He had a son, I believe, that was working for NFL Europe. So, Dan, where are these younger McCaskies and why not just bring in? They're not going to bring in someone completely. They're not going to sell the team. So why not bring in someone from that generation with the fresh ideas and some new perspective? Well, I think what you really want is a fresh set of eyes and a new perspective that isn't necessarily affiliated with the family, right? I think you need to be open to bringing in someone from the outside world that can can illuminate things that, that you may be blinded to because you've been in it too long, right? And, and you're just, you don't know where your blind spots are. You don't know where the flaws are that, that you should have. And so- the difficulty here is knowing where to start again and, and, and which is the first thing that you want to address that then sets all these other dominoes into motion. One of the issues that they've had with Ryan Pace is that he was hired at 37 years old as a, by his own admission, very green, inexperienced, didn't understand all of the complex dynamics that come with being an NFL general manager. And yet they hired him with the intent on letting him grow and evolve into his role. Admirable bosses that say, hey, listen, we know you're not going to be experiencing everything right now, but let's see how you evolve into it. Yet they didn't give him the support structure to help accelerate that growth and to help him get through some of these big hurdles quicker. And so when you look at those things from a Ted Phillips standpoint, to have a guy who is, by his own admission, not sophisticated enough from a football standpoint to be able to understand the game at a deep and nuanced level, doing the evaluations of your general manager and your head coach. Peggy, I, I use this analogy all the time. You, you, you spent decades in television. If you gave us you know, two years of your body of work on television and, and presented it for a review, and then we took it to your dentist and said, how did Peggy do as a television sportscaster? They'd say, ah, it looked pretty good to me. It's all right. You know, but they don't have that sophisticated knowledge of what the business is all about and what makes 
people successful at the highest level to really bring that forward. And so I think they, whatever they do, for me, it starts with bringing in someone that has a sophisticated football background and a football acumen to help whoever it is in that general manager's role handle the tasks of being a general manager, right? And grow and, and get better and, and, and become this sort of team-oriented approach that doesn't rely on a team president who kind of just comes in once a year, evaluates the, the, the final product and says, ah, it looks good to me. Let's keep going, right? So I, I know Jason's chomping at the bit to jump in here, but just to clarify, you say in your article that there has been some talk that uh, by several sources have told you that Ted Phillips has asked to be removed further from any of the football operations. Well, so so this is it. And, and that's probably the most newsworthy nugget that came from the piece that I did, which, as you know, was very, very, very long. Uh, but Ted has expressed privately to, to folks connected to the organization that he understands that his limitations in overseeing people on the football side are there, right? And so maybe it is better for the organization, particularly, as you mentioned earlier, with this stadium project picking up steam, maybe he casts his attention elsewhere and somebody else can come in with that football background and do things. That's a admirable omission by Ted Phillips. It's probably 10 years too late, right? I mean, he's been around for 23 years and they haven't had any sustained success on the field. They've had back-to-back winning seasons only one time, right, under Ted's watch. And that was in 2005 and 2006. I don't know how old Jason was at that time, but I know my life has changed a lot since the 2006 Super Bowl ended. And so you have to be able to, to look at these things in that regard. You have to also understand that we don't know how the Bears are thinking and what their vision is right now because they haven't articulated it to anyone. I've mentioned that infamous January 13th press conference a hundred times in the last month and a couple times already on this show. They have not spoken publicly, Ted or George, since that day. So we have no idea how they've reacted to any of the turbulence and any of the embarrassment and any of the disappointment for the last, what is it now, 11 plus months. And so we need to know what they're thinking. And again, where do you start? They're the ones to decide that and they're the ones to give us a clear cut view of of what they're ultimately going to decide. For me, at least, I'm a, I'm a little, little more focused on the new head coach. Obviously, Nagy is is most likely going to be gone. Um, we talked about how the Bears need to bring in somebody who is not connected to the family to be at the top. So that kind of shows that, that they would be learning from their mistakes. Do you think that they're going to have a similar mentality with the head coaching search? Because there's almost this little pattern with – uh, Nagy, they went with a former coordinate with a coordinator without head coaching experience with John Fox. It was a former NFL head coach with Trustman. It was neither of the two. So what's next? That's a great question. And, and the answer to what's next is who is making that decision, right? So are you going to keep Ryan Pace in his current role? Are you going to keep Ryan Pace in his current role with a president of football operations that's new to the building that can help be a part of that coach selecting process? Are you going to get a whole new president and a whole new general manager? Are you going to get a you know new general manager? There's so many different combinations of things they can do, and it has to start this discussion on who it is that's picking that head coach and what they prioritize. Listen, successful head coaches in this league come in many different sizes and shapes, right? You don't have to be a quarterback guru. We've seen defensive coaches have sustained success and win Super Bowls. We've seen offensive-minded coaches take young quarterbacks to new levels. We've seen a special teams coach like John Harbaugh have a run here for uh, you know more than a decade of having his team consistently in the playoffs and in the mix every single season. So you don't have to really get yourself narrowly focused on this is the profile of who we need, and just because we have Justin Fields, a young and talented quarterback, this decision has to be based solely around him. But you do have to have him as part of the, the, the thought process in what you choose. And so you're 
absolutely justified in having this curiosity on who this next coach is. There's just like three or four dominoes that need to fall first before we know who it is that's selecting that coach and what exactly it is that they are trying to build. And regardless of who's making that decision, the one major key difference when comparing it to the past Bears head coaching searches is now they actually do have a potential franchise quarterback, something that probably couldn't be said in the 21st century, um, at least when they've been searching for a new head coach. So how much is Justin Fields going to play into it, whether it be in having input in the new head coach and all these changes that are going to be made because it certainly does stunt his development to now he's going to have two head coaches in two years, two offensive coordinators in two years, all that. Yeah, I mean, listen, and and this isn't new in the NFL. Brad Biggs had done something at the start of the season. I think it was of the last 20 quarterbacks before this year that had been selected in the first round. Nine of them had seen coaching changes after their rookie season. That is unhealthy, right? You you draft a rookie quarterback, and then you make him go through a season, and you say, sorry, kid, you're going to have to learn a new coach and a new system for your second year and going forward. Mitch Trubisky was one of those cases, right? Went from John Fox to Matt Nagy going in from his first to second season. They have to make sure that whatever they do, they set Justin up for success. As you mentioned, there are people across the league that that speak with great confidence that Justin's skill set and Justin's potential allow this job to be very attractive for a head coach that wants to come in and say, listen, we can start with a young, talented quarterback that has shown that he's got star potential. He's a long way off from us rubber stamping him and saying he's a standout, you know, starting quarterback for the rest of the decade for the Chicago Bears. But people recognize that potential, and that is going to attract candidates. Now, as far as Justin's input, one of the sources I spoke with in the story was Kurt Warner, and he spoke very eloquently about the need to understand that that Justin can give you some feedback on what he wants in a new head coach, but Justin's still a rookie trying to work through the dizzying tornado that he's been through in his rookie season, trying to learn a system, figure out what goes with what, how to read an opposing defense, all those things. So his input only goes so far. Eventually, you need to have some sort of innate feel from whoever's selecting the head coach on, is this going to be a mesh between a coach or, or really a, an offensive overseer, right? Is that if you have a defensive-minded head coach and they bring in their own people on offense, does that person in charge of the offense see the game through the same lens that Justin does? That was Kurt Warner's number one priority for the Bears coaching search. Do they see the game the same way? Because if you don't, you wind up in a Trubisky-Nagy situation where it's just constant headbutting. The quarterback doesn't necessarily feel that the offense is working for him. The coach doesn't feel like the offense that he's seen work with other quarterbacks is working for this young quarterback. And you just spin your wheels for multiple years until, you know, both of them are gone, right, eventually. And so you have to find that mesh. It's a complicated science, but somebody who is making that decision has to have a feel for these things, right? And, and, and so it's, it's a leap of faith in a lot of ways. Again, it comes down to who's picking this coach and, and, and what is their feeling overall. Dan, are you familiar with Sam Rappaport at the NFL? Uh, not Okay, so Sam Sam Rappaport is the NFL's director of football development, and I did an interview with her uh, for my other podcast, and she was talking about how uh, engaged George McCaskey is in uh, diversity within the coaching rinks uh, with the NFL. You know, thus they brought in their first female scout this year with Ashton Washington, and how he is, you know, very open to all of this. What what surprised me was not that George McCaskey has an open mind when it comes to, um, you know, hiring women in these positions, but that the closed mind that seems to come from the Bears offices when it comes to some of their their greatest players that have ever worn a, a Bears jersey, uh, 
tuning them out, not listening to them, not not even bringing them in for for some advice. You know, um, we I mean, Jason, we, we you know we we talked to a Pro Bowl, you know, uh, not Pro Bowler, a Hall of Famer, Jimbo Covert. He's never been invited to talk to the Bears. He's never been invited to talk to the offensive line room. It, to me, it's it's mind boggling, and yet you are now hearing all these guys speaking out and saying they haven't asked our opinion. You know, you don't think I could tell you what a good you know offensive lineman looks like. You don't think I can tell you you know how to get over a back injury. You know, when you play this position, it, it, it's surprising to me how close minded this team is in many ways, especially when it comes to a, a team that says that they know their history, and yet they seem to be shunning it at the same time. Uh, obviously, the three former players who were named and quoted in my story were Gary Fensick, Olin Kurtz, and Patrick Manley. You can't get many more respected and revered voices than that. They are not the outliers, though, right? There are dozens and dozens and dozens of players. You just mentioned Jimbo Covert. There's a lot of other people in this market, outside this market, that speak about their passion for this organization, having played here, understanding what the potential is here. You said they, 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 they're so tired of seeing it squandered and being in the same cycle of frustration and they want to help, right? The criticism from uh, afar from people connected to the Bears organization isn't a pile-on. It's this passion-fueled uh, advice that's saying, just please listen to us. We can help you change this. And yet the Bears don't seem as open to that as they should be. I think it was Patrick Manley that said, listen, just have people come up to your office periodically, take them out to lunch, you know, have a seminar inside the Peyton Center one weekend where you just solicit input. It doesn't mean you have to take every nugget of advice that's given to you, but it's certainly going to give you more things to think about than you're ready to think about being a non-football chairman, a non-football team president. Why would you not want to tap into this? Peggy, I think back to June 2019 and that Bears 100 convention in Rosemont. Yep. I get goosebumps from the top of my scalp to, to my to my feet thinking about that room and the number of people that came through there over three days in Rosemont that that feel this energy for the organization and want to be a part of lifting it back to the heights that they haven't experienced since 1985. And, and you say, boy, how can you have that all right in front of your eyes and not tap into it on a weekly monthly basis, right? To get as much as you can out of this tradition-rich franchise. You mentioned how proud they are of the history, how proud they are of the tradition. Well, use it. Use it to your benefit as much as possible. That is certainly part of the equation that I think needs to happen going forward. It's not the biggest part, but it's certainly part of the formula. Back to our conversation in a minute. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. 
I was, I'm, I, admittedly, I was quite stunned that Olin Krutz had pointed out that uh, he thinks that they, the issues go as far as their media relations department and the communications department. And I would say, you know, listen, everyone's talking about, you know, earlier the, during the, after the Thanksgiving game, how Matt Nagy was supposed to be fired according to one report and how the Bears did not do anything. Did, they didn't acknowledge it. They didn't shoot it down. And it just became a huge issue. But Dan, those problems go much further back. I mean, it goes as far back as uh, announcing that they've hired a coach when they actually didn't hire a head coach. Um, it goes as far back yeah. as I, I would actually say uh, one of the things that comes to mind for me um, was the Tank Johnson uh, incident um, when his buddy ended up being killed and he was with him at the nightclub when it happened. And the media had the information before the team had it. And the team was trying to glean in information from us, the media, uh, before they would even acknowledge that there was, that Tank Johnson was a part of this. I mean, it, it, there's, there's a definite image and PR issue that is going on, but I was really surprised that that was made public in your article. So why? I, I ask you why you were surprised, because obviously you've lived this and you just referenced decades worth of examples that tie into the same thing. Well, I guess because it's kind of biting the hand that feeds you, you know, it's, um, you know, you don't want to anger the guys that help you get the interviews, but heck, these guys aren't helping much anyway. So it doesn't matter anymore. Right. One name you didn't bring up is Brandon Marshall. How many PR gaffes were committed during Brandon Marshall's time in Chicago, right? I know you have your own stories for probably off the air at some time to talk about in that regard. But listen, when, when, when things like Thanksgiving week happen, right, and your phone starts blowing up with people from around the league going, what the hell's going on there? What's what exactly is this happening? How do they keep screwing this up? you're obligated to pick up that phone and call back and say, hey, what would you have done, right? And, and there were people elsewhere in the league commenting on the dozens of different ways the Bears could have handled that Thanksgiving week kerfuffle and not allowed a report from Patch.com that turned out to be erroneous to become a, a, a fire that engulfed the building for the rest of the week, right? I mean, these are basic things. I, I don't know if you guys are, are Billy Madison fans, right? But if you are... There's a scene early in that movie where they go and they put a flaming bag of dog poop on a doorstep and they ring it. And the, the, the old man comes to the doorstep and the wife shouts out, don't put it out with your boot, Ted. And what does he do? He puts it out with his boot, <laughs> smells it and says it's poop again. This is what it reminds. This is what the bears remind me of at times where you're just sitting there going, don't put it out with your boot. Don't put it out with your boot. And then they step in it and they smell it and they go, oh, my God, I can't believe I just stepped on the flaming bag of poop again. Right. And this has been constant for for a long period of time. And so you have to, this is what I mean when I say you have to address all of these things because you had players, current players, former players, people elsewhere in the league saying, oh my God, they're in the middle of a lengthy losing streak going to Detroit to play on Thanksgiving day. they just disrupted the routine of all the players in, in a critical point of their season. And all they had to do was put this fire out within the first 15 seconds or 15 minutes really by issuing a statement saying something off the record, planting someone with a, a reporter, either locally or nationally, multiple reporters if you want to, it could have been squashed instantly. And yet it became a week-long episode that they could have controlled and didn't. And so if you're truly determined to be successful as an organization, you have to look at every single layer of the systemic failures in their building. That's one of them. You, you referenced a long laundry list that someone should take to George and say, George, this is not a one-time thing, right? And again, I brought up the January 13th press conference from a year ago. That was an embarrassment. That should have been a routine end of the year, tie a bow on a disappointing 
eight and eight playoff season that that walked out the door in the wild card round. Instead, they turned it into a infamous landmark day with all of the things they said, including Ted saying we don't have the quarterback and we don't have the wins, but everything else is there. Well, and and I would just add is um, there is nothing worse than when the national media or the broadcasters are making fun of your team during a broadcast. And when that happened, uh, was that Thanksgiving week or whenever? It's happened was, a few times this year. It's happened a few times this year. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, we see the players get upset over Aaron Rodgers, you know, saying what he said in the end zone. Well, uh, anyone associated with the Chicago Bears should be mortified when the national media is laughing at you and you don't, the last thing you want is to become irrelevant. Well, the last and I'll, let, I'll let you know this as well, that there are people inside the building that are recognizing the things that we have talked about. I've heard from them in recent weeks that, that are saying, yes, this is a huge problem and we have to address it. Yet the question is, will they, right? And, 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 and do they have the guts to, and do they know which way to go after they've addressed it? So it's, it's a big situation. They're going to be playing on Monday Night Football. That's another national stage. You know, a whole new crew that's going to do their production meetings and then, and then show up on Monday night to tell the rest of the, the world what, what the state of the Chicago Bears is. That kind of leads me into my last question. A little bit circling back, actually, to, to the start of our conversation. If you're the Bears, what would you say is the absolute best-case scenario for them to be in at the start of next training camp? Where do you think they should be between a new president of team operations, general manager, coaching staff, roster? I mean, the list goes on and on of things that need to change. But what what is the best case scenario? Heavy, heavy lift here, Jason. It really is a heavy, heavy lift for them because you're also going to have to try to rebuild the roster without a first-round pick for April because you traded that to get Justin Fields without salary cap room because you've mismanaged the cap to an extent and got affected by the pandemic as well to where you don't have a lot of room to sort of go out and make some big splash signings to help keep you afloat. You have to find a new head coach. You have to find all these things that we talk about, right? We're going to talk a lot about the general manager. We're going to talk a lot about the head coach. Each of those positions has entire staffs below it, right? That they're going to have to fill if they decide to clean house. You're going to have to have an entire new front office if you bring in a new GM. That's scouts, that's, you know, director of player personnel, pro scouting directors, all these things. Then you go over to the coaching staff. You're going to have to start with coordinators. Who are your coordinators? Okay, now who are your position coaches? Who's going to be the quarterback's coach that's overseeing Justin Fields' development going forward? The laundry list of things that they've got to get done in a very urgent time, right? Like, you have to have most of this done before the Super Bowl is played, which is less than two months from now. And so you better be understanding of just how heavy a lift this truly is and go about it. Best case scenario is you have found ways to change the way you do things, right? And you have found ways that when you check into training camp, which is now back at Lake Forest and no longer in Bourbonnet, that you have a vision that you can articulate to the outside world that also resonates with every single person that works for you inside that building. And they go, okay, I, this makes sense. This is momentum. This is fuel to get this thing going. The bears aren't close, right? They're not, close to contending with these teams that are in the upper reaches of the NFC. We've seen it this year. I think they're against the the, the teams that are inside the NFC playoff picture right now. They're 0-6 and haven't been within 10 points of any of them, right? Tells you all you need to know about just how far away they are from contending for a championship. If you're that far away, you better be realistic with how quickly this thing can get turned around and make your plans accordingly. But again, there's so many, so many boxes on that checklist. You guys could make it up when, when we're off here. And it would be like one of those scrolls that Santa unrolls, you know, like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I got I to, you know, attend to all this business before February 10th. Boy, we better get to work. And if they haven't already started getting to work, well, then they're losing again. Right. And it's going to be adding time 
onto a timeline that is already going to be pretty taxing and patience testing for the for the fans. Yeah, well, and that's a great point. As, as we're taping this, we're heading into week 15 of the NFL season. And, um, you know, listen, you should be hiring that new football guy, that new football director of operations, so that he can then make the announcement of where Ryan Pace is going. And then he can then make the announcement of, of letting Matt Nagy go. Um, it worries me, just like you're saying, that they, they should have done that right away. They should have... Uh, made it clear that they were doing that so that they sent a a message to the rest of the NFL that we are open for business. And now they're just going to be playing catch up. The the rest of the NFL knows that they may be open for business. I'll tell you that much. And that's, you know, one of the things that, that I articulated at the end of my story was just how confounding it is that everyone in the outside world in the league can recognize the, the failure that's gone on for 30 plus years can recognize the organizational structure that's broken and still at the snap of a finger say, yeah, I would take that job in a heartbeat because it's Chicago, because it's the bears, because it's a fan base that is second to none because it's a world-class city. So you're going to have people that understand that these positions may come open. Are you prepared enough right now to be start to lay the groundwork for who those people are that you want to talk to? So you can accelerate this process when it absolutely has to begin. And when either the final game of the season is over or whenever you make that decision to launch Matt Nagy, again, to your point, Who's making that announcement and what are they going to announce along with it? Because you have to have all these things tied together. Otherwise, it's just another disjointed throw a dart here, throw a dart there. Hope one of them sticks and hope eventually everything works out. It hasn't worked out 30 plus years, right? We keep having the same conversations over and over again. And I joked with you before we came on the air that this story resonated with you because you lived it for a long, long time. And it's still being lived after you're gone, right? And, and, and I think the hope in the outside world is when can we stop telling this story and tell a new version of a different story? Yeah, maybe instead of GSH on their uh, on, on their jerseys, it needs to say SMH. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of three letter acronyms that we could put on the side of, side of that jersey. WTF would probably go on there as well. Yeah. Before I let you go, I, lo- I always like to ask when you write an article like this, what did you leave out? What didn't make it? What hit the cutting room floor that uh, you wished that people uh, were able to read about? All right, I got two. All right, I got two for you. One of them is. An anecdote from the end of the 2019 season when George and Ted met the media after that season. If you remember, that season started with the whole city believing that there were going to be Super Bowl dreams in Chicago, right? And it ended with the Bears finishing 8-8 eight and eight and Mitch Trubisky's developmental arc clearly going down. And Ted Phillips spoke in the midway at Hallis Hall and basically said, listen, nobody knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to turn into what he was going to turn into. And it was just kind of this shrug. And I had people... Elsewhere in the league and people attached to the, the uh, organization say it, it's almost as if he was just shrugging it off and going, oh, just luck of the draw. They got Patrick and we got Mitch. Didn't really have a chance in that one. Right. Like just that was the hand you were dealt. And he was like, wait a second. No. You know who recognized that Patrick Mahomes was going to be something? The Kansas City Chiefs. You know who set up for the next 10 years or longer? The Kansas City Chiefs. And so one of these things that 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 really weighs the bears down so often is the, is that shrug through failure, right? Like, Oh, well, didn't work out. Instead of saying, Holy cow, that didn't work out. It could have changed our fortunes for a decade or longer. We need to stop everything we're doing and look at it in a deep examination. And yet Ted said, who knew Patrick was going to become this right. And just, and, and you say, okay, the other one, this is a, never thought about this. And you can tell me if you've ever thought about this, you've stood inside the Walter Payton center. You've watched practice inside of there. I had one source say to me, have you ever noticed the color of the roof inside of the Peyton Center? Is it, is it whitish? No, it's brown. It's wooden. It's a wooden it's roof wood. that okay. goes over. 
And so it's brown, which is similar to the color of a football. And he said, you know, the first time I was in there, I looked up and I said, man, this is a little bit odd. I came to find out after he told me that, that this was a issue for past coaching staffs, including the John Fox regime, where it wasn't a major deal, but they just looked up and said, my God, there's this little, little attention to detail around here that the roof of our indoor practice facility is basically the same color of a football. And they said, listen, once you recognize that, just go to Lowe's and get three to four dozen cans of white paint and paint it, right? Like just invest in it. Major deal? No. Illuminating of, of their lack of attention to detail in, in significant ways? Absolutely. <laughs> Peggy, another joke that's, that's floated around now, you've experienced the media food in the press box. Well, the media is not the only one that eats that, right? The opposing team's front office comes in and they're, they're up in the same press box we are and goes to eat it scouts from other teams come in and they just laugh at it right like it's just this kind of like stale bread and maybe there's a meatball in there that you oh, think it's is disgusting so fresh and maybe there's an italian sausage and look listen it's press box food right this is doesn't make or break who you are as an organization but it's another one of these situations where you say do you really care about the experience that you put forth right do you really care about making this a first class organization and a first class organization in every single way and if the answer is no then you're doing things wrong, and it doesn't surprise anyone in the outside world when you consistently finish 8-8, eight 7-9, and 5-11, eight, and 6-10, and, and, and you never have a playoff win. Listen, I was two jobs ago the last time the Bears won a playoff game, right? I've had two kids since then. You know, like, like Jason's gone through his entire puberty and is now into manhood since the Bears last won a playoff game. I was, I was sad, eight. right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, listen, this is a billion dollar organization and they need to start running it like a billion dollar organization. Um, Or, you know, it's why you see uh, shops closing all over our country um, is when the big boys take over and they find a way how to make more money um, than than you. That's what happens. And you can only, you know, cry foul so many times that, oh, shucks, we're just a mom and pop organization. Uh, at some point, you have to start acting like it and running your organization like it's worth a billion dollars that the Chicago Bears are. It's and too, finding it's the too. people that understand that, right? It's a yep. cutthroat industry. Without question, it's a cutthroat industry. And you can't just be like, oh, well, we're going to give it our best. And if our best isn't good enough, then we at least gave it our best. Oh, Dan Weeder, thank you so much for writing this incredible article. Folks, you got to check it out. Go to the archives of the Chicago Tribune.com. Look up Dan Weeder. You can check him out on Twitter as well at Dan Weeder. It's W I E. Okay. So I know everyone gets that wrong. W I E. Uh, Dan, great work as always. Thanks for joining us. I always enjoy talking to you guys. All right. Take care. Well, I don't know how uh, Dan Weeder is going to be welcome at Hallis Hall much anymore, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was, it's pretty intense. The things that he found out, listen, he's, he's just the conduit to the issues with this team. You can't blame the messenger, right? And you know what? Um, that was a really nice Electroflex plug. Let me just say that for a second. That was a really nice plug for one of our top sponsors, the conduit of the issue. That's awesome. That, oh, there you go. Here. There, yeah. There you go. Look <laughs> <my> conduit. <laughs> that's great. Jason, it's time for your predictions this, this right. holiday season. This holiday season predictions time. Okay. Um, obviously, this is like my favorite part of the show because half the time I just kind of like come up with these on the fly and they hit and it's, it's great. So uh, right now, as everyone knows, we are in the midst of this COVID wave and uh, it's kind of really annoying actually because I just want my life to be normal. And uh, 
I am going to actually make a pretty big, bold prediction here. It's not sports related. I'm going to say, because this week has felt way too much like, like the start of COVID, I'm going to say that generally, and now not every school, but I think generally next semester of school is going to be delayed. Because the way that I see this going is that this new like variant, and this isn't a COVID show, this is a sports show, but this new variant is just too, like, too damn contagious. So I'm making this prediction hoping that I'm wrong because I really want to go to school next semester. I don't know about anyone else, but yeah, that's kind of thinking a little backwards here, but also I think I'm right about this. So, uh, my my second prediction is that I think, um, college basketball for next year or this upcoming, like non-conference play or conference play coming up, I think is honestly going to kind of take, take the country by storm. Well, college basketball hasn't gotten nearly the kind of exposure that it normally does. And I don't really know why that is. I think it's because this winter is kind of lacked the marquee non-conference games and some of the Thanksgiving tournaments just didn't have as strong of fields. But earlier today, I was looking at the net rankings, the Ken Palm rankings, and I was also just kind of looking at a bunch of like top 25 rankings and mock drafts and whatnot. And my biggest takeaway is, it really is anybody's game this year. There have been, I want to say, six or seven number one teams, and we're not even at Christmas yet. Um, so I'm going to say that a team currently ranked outside of the top ten right now is going to win the national championship. And oh, so wow. in the show like a week before Christmas, so when we go back and log my predictions, we'll look at what the top ten was at that point, and we'll see if I was right. Okay, okay. so third prediction. Any predictions on what you're getting for Christmas? <laughs> well... Ironically enough, back in, as you know, is no secret, I go to the University of Texas. A couple months ago, my, I went to the Texas versus TCU football game with dad, who is a TCU alumni, and we made a little loose bet, like kind of like just for fun, but I, evidently my dad kind of took it seriously. And it was, uh, I've always wanted a truck or a car just to have down at school. So I told, I told my dad, I'm like, hey, what's the bet going to be this year? And he's like, what do you want it to be? I'm like, okay, well, if Texas wins and I want to get a used truck. My dad's like, okay. So the game ends and I'm like, you don't have to do the truck. And he's like, no, I'm going to work on it. Like once I get home. So I, I have like a sneaky suspicion that that could be my Christmas gift. If it's not, I'm not like going to be disappointed or anything. Cause you know, I'm not going to be like one of those people. It's like, Oh my God, my parents didn't get me the car. I want like, I, I could really care less, but what I, what I actually think I'm going to get for Christmas this year. I mean, hopefully Santa gave me some money, but I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I, for the first, because the, the problem is I came home and there are presents under the tree and you didn't, you never even asked what I want for Christmas. So <laughs> I, I have no idea what I'm getting for Christmas because I never even asked for anything, which really quick, I know we're probably going over, but it doesn't matter because, you know, it's supposed to be conversational. You usually like, I'm a very big analytical person. You know, I like to look at trends. I like to look at history. <laughs> and one thing I've come to realize is, your best Christmas gifts and your worst Christmas gifts are things that you didn't ask for. So whatever I get this year is either going to be like top tier great or it's going to be bottom tier not great. I think it's going to be top tier great because like, I don't know, like I think that your like mom effort has been stepped up. Like the snack cabinet, you can't see it here, but it is in the best shape that it has been in since I was like Stella's age and uh the dinner's just been really like like great. So I think it's gonna be a great Christmas gift, but 
That was probably a really long answer for a question that nobody cares about other than me and you. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'm going to give some quick final thoughts and it's going to be some new year's resolutions. Okay. For, for 2022. Should have done um, that instead I, of questions. Uh, I resolve never to hear Matt Nagy fumble his way through a press conference again. Um, I resolve never to hear George McCaskey consult another owner who also conducts business like it's 1975 and use those owners as examples to who he goes to for advice. Um, I resolve never to listen to George McCaskey when he says that uh, he is consulting the parent of a player for a character reference uh, when that player has had issues off the field. Um, I just resolve never to trust uh, George McCaskey's references again. Um, I resolve to stop uh, trusting Bears executives because um, they're nice guys. There's a lot of nice guys, and actually most most of them are nice guys, but we know that Nice guys do finish last. And finally, this New Year's, I resolve to put my name in as uh, maybe a name for the public relations and community relations representative of the Chicago Bears at 1920 Hallis Hall Drive um, to give them an outsider's view of what they are doing wrong. Okay. You know what, Mom? I think that uh, that the whole pitch would have went down a little better if you hadn't said the stuff at the start. But <laughs> that's totally that's totally fine. I guess I won't be the uh, working with the Bears anytime soon either. <laughs> Jason, we're losing you. Like you look like you're you're in the you're outside yeah. under the tree or something. All of a sudden, I, we lost. A, there's no light on you at all. It's like you're doing the show in the dark. Yeah, I noticed that too. I think that it's because the sun has shifted. It's like what is it, three o'clock and. It gets darker here, so I can actually yeah. see the sun's kind of like peaking. Okay, through. so let's well, let's wrap it up quickly then, so that we don't lose the our our, our viewers. There we go. Um, okay, so if you like this episode, Jason, tell them what we want them to do. We want you to like, rate, and subscribe. I've always said it. Actually, uh, not always said it, but like, rate, subscribe, do it over again. Uh, helps us out tremendously, even if it seems monotonous or doesn't really make sense to you. Just trust us on that. It does help. It works. Uh, you can also get our show anywhere, basically, that podcasts exist on. That means Podbean, Apple Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, the Barroom Network, Google Play. Um, basically, yeah, I think that that's about it. Okay, and uh, don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. And uh, I referenced um, Sam Rappaport from the NFL Director of Football Development. And I have an interview with her on my other podcast called Pass the Mic, which can be seen um, on the Barroom Network on YouTube as well. Our thanks to Dan Weederer of the Chicago Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Weederer. That's Weederer, W-I-E. Uh, go to our podcast website, the Sportscaster Center sun.com for a link to the merchandise shop again lots of sales going on on and all on and off before we'll have some after the holidays as well um stickers hoodies um uh, coffee mugs we have my my little mug here as well we don't Santa just put in a big order so yeah make sure we get the stuff before we run out okay hey that's it for this episode everybody thanks for uh tuning in with us and jason it's good to have you home um and spend some time together over this christmas Absolutely, Mom. It is awesome, as always, to be home. I don't quite love the weather, but I certainly love the lower workload. So everybody have a safe holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, stay safe. Enjoy being around family. Go Bears. Hopefully things are better in 2020. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. 
and by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.